All righty. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to the Hood Talks podcast. Uh, I am so happy again to be here with you all on this Saturday. We are having a tough, I call it a tough, but it's a very needed conversation um, around sexual abuse today. Um, And bringing aware, it is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. um, So we do want to acknowledge that. Um, If you have teal, wear your teal sometime this month um, and represent for the survivors um, who are out here advocating, putting in work, um, having these tough conversations and bringing the awareness to this topic, which hits home for me. Um, This is will be actually my first time uh, in public um, admitting that I am a a survivor of sexual abuse. Um, And this is why this topic is important to me. Um, And I know this topic is important to my guests who are on this show. These are some awesome, amazing women. Before we get started, I do also want to plug and talk about the t-shirt giveaway that we do when we do a live show. If you are tuning in right now and you want to be a person who gets to win one of the custom, well, this is actually the standard um, design for our shirts. If you want to win a shirt with the standard design, um, all you have to do is like us on Facebook, share are live here now and comment done in the comment section on this live that will get you in a drawing to win one of these t-shirts and now that that's out the way let's go ahead ladies i do want you all to uh introduce yourselves first tell everyone who you are what you do um and i will start with miss d because i see her first on my screen here <laughs> hello how are you <laughs> hello first of all thank you so much um, for allowing um this space um it's very important because like you said april is sexual assault awareness month um for you all that do not know me i am d marie i am um i've been an advocate for sexual abuse for about probably almost 10 years now gosh the time has gone by so fast uh so i actually uh i am the chief editor of a magazine called vosas v-o-s-a-s and it stands for voices of sexual abuse survivors and it is just a a platform to give uh, voices and give a place where people who are survivors um, a safe space to actually tell their story so that way it can empower others. Uh, Also, I started a nonprofit organization back in 2012, Moving Forward Ministries, and we actually provide support groups, um, sexual assault awareness. Um, Usually in April, we do a walk. We're not doing one this year, which I'm so disappointed, but we're going to bring it back up next year. We'll have our walk. Um, So sexual abuse is a very uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm a survivor and um, my sister and I, and she's on here as well, so she'll tell uh, her story too. But uh, but we are survivors, Um, didn't tell our, well, I didn't tell my story until 30 years uh, later. And once I did that, it just brought so much hope and healing to so many people. And I didn't realize that it would until I actually spoke up. So um, I am a voice for many. Um, I enjoy being a voice. It is something, honestly, I would say it's my God-given passion. It's nothing that I wanted to do, but now that I do it, I actually enjoy um, because I just see so many people that are going through their healing process and actually being successful at it. So um, so yeah, um, follow me, Voces Magazine, Dean Marie, I'm on Facebook, but yeah, um, this is a very important topic and I just really can't wait to get to the meat of this conversation. 
Yes, it is definitely a very important topic. And thank you for being here and being willing to be on this platform. I do appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Yes, I do. Um, And uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, Tawana, I'm sorry. I see you next, if you don't mind introducing yourself. It's Tanya. I'm sorry. That's okay. The W throws everybody off. I I understand. Um, (laughs) But I am Tanya. I am also a survivor working on thriving. Um, I am a social worker. I've been a social worker, born and raised in St. Louis, been working for almost 25 years in the St. Louis area in a wide variety of areas. Started with what was then called DFS back in 97, worked in schools, hospitals, just as a case manager on the insurance side is where I'm at now. So I'm no longer in the field, but my favorite job was my five years that I worked at the sexual assault center with the YWCA. And I did individual and group sessions with survivors, men and women, ages 14 and up. We even went to the workhouse and did some groups there also. So that was my passion. That was my favorite job. So. And right now, as of October, so going on six months, I started a podcast called The Tea Side, where I talk about just my life experiences as a mental health professional and just the personal experiences I've gone through, which kind of comes together as my side, the tea side. So shout out to you and your podcast. You guys, you know, I'm all, I love podcasts, so we have to support our podcast, um, and I definitely appreciate you also being here and taking the time out to sit here with us on this platform. Um, and Miss Latanya, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, hello. My name is uh, Latanya Buford. I am Dee Marie's sister. Um, I don't, don't have as much to talk about as the other two, <laughs> but um I work with my sister on Moving Forward Ministries uh, with the organization that she has that supports uh, survivors of sexual abuse. Um, And I'm just willing to tell my story. I'm not in the limelight a lot, but that's okay. And I just work the background. Uh, My passion is teaching. So um, coming soon, the next support group, I will be facilitating that support group. And um, my goal is just to share the story, to bring awareness, to uplift and encourage and that's the main focus. Yes, and you are just as much as important on this podcast exactly. as anybody with a title. Do you hear me? Because we talk about <laughs> community, baby. All <laughs> aspects of community. So, no, no, no. Thank you for being here also and sharing you all story, um, which is, it takes a lot. Um, it definitely takes a lot. Um, my hat go off to you women. Um, I'm... I'm nervous and I ain't even said nothing to though, for even telling, you know what I'm saying? Because it takes a lot to actually admit that you have been a survivor of sexual abuse. It's not something that, like I said, it took me 30 years to even mm-hmm. tell anybody, you know? Um, and when we have our walks, uh, we allow the people to wear a teal shirt you know, that are willing to say, you know, I am a survivor. And when they do, it's just a way of them taking that power back. It might be small, 
but it's huge to them, you know? So, I mean, hats off to you for even, you know, saying it publicly because it's not easy. It is not easy. It's not easy. And then people, when you do announce it, people start to want to, well, what happened? How? They want to ask questions. You might not be in that space to want to talk about it or tell. So it's just respecting people in their boundaries and, and letting them you know, get to the place of being that free and wanting to say and tell you exactly. Um, but that's why we having this show. That's why we have to talk about all of that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he is going to address all of that here on this show mm-hmm. today. Um, but I do want to start off and giving you guys the space to share your stories if you're willing. Um, so whoever wants to go first and share, please. This is your place. Yes. You want me started? You go. Yeah, you can start. Okay. Whoever, whoever wants to go first. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So, um, well, I mean, the time of Buford and I, we're sisters. So we kind of share um, similar stories. But I mean, you have your own, um, I don't want to say version, but your own story of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so Tanya and I we were uh, abused when we were young, um, age, ages of three and four. Um, we were abused by a relative. And um, and it was rape, you know, and it took me a while to actually say that, but, um, um, and so we, I just kind of went through years of knowing that I was sexually abused, not really, and it wasn't something that, well, that I could remember because I was so young, so I don't remember everything, right. but I, I know that, uh, it, it wasn't something that happened over and over and over. You know, some people experienced it for years, so it wasn't like for years, but I do remember certain instances of what happened. So, so yeah, so I was sexually abused at the age of three. Um, and after, after it happened, I kind of just went on with life. I mean, of course we, I knew it happened, but just didn't really, um, acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. Wasn't going to tell anybody it was going to go to my grave and just kind of went through school. You know, I wasn't a troubled uh, teenager. I wasn't like, you know, on drugs. I mean, you know, I, I was that normal wild teenager, I would say, <laughs> you know, had y'all fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had some fun <laughs> in college. Yes, I had my funds, but I wasn't, I wasn't just out there, you know, where I was just doing anything crazy. You know, I didn't have bad grades. You know, I wasn't that kid. I wasn't that troubled kid. You know, thank God because those things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't necessarily promiscuous. Um, did have trust issues. Um, did have issues in relationships. Um, I was married, um, divorced now, um, and so did have those kind of issues. You know, and you don't realize the things that you deal with until once you begin to heal and kind of look back at your journey, then you realize those are, you know, your behaviors was because of the traumatic event that you had, you know? Um, And like, honestly, you know, trauma can manifest in uh, poor finances, poor, um, you know, all of it, you don't realize it, but, but it's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I did deal with those type of things, you know, I did struggle. um, This is not my life anymore, but I did. Um, But anyway, so I went through all these years, you know, not really even saying anything to anybody. I never told a soul. Uh, My sister and I, what was crazy is that her and I never talked about it. Wow. Yeah. So it was was almost just understood, but we Mm. never actually Mm. had a conversation that this is what happened. So um, in my thirties, I was at a church service. It was a Tuesday night. It was a Bible study and we were doing a walk through the Bible. And um, the topic was Tamar and Amnon. And if you guys don't know the story, Tamar was raped by her brother. And as my uh, pastor was teaching, it just really hit me. And literally sitting right there, it was so clear. It's like, it's time to tell. And I'm thinking, 
oh what you know like no 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 I know. like no you know right like i'm fine you know in my mind i'm fine i have kids they're fine why in the world would i need to bring this back up after so many years you know but it was just so clear like it's time to tell now so and mind you me and my sister never really talked about it so the next day her and i uh, drove to work together for whatever reason i don't even know why we were in the same car but and I told her and I said, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think it's time to tell. Now me expecting her to say, girl, no, we not. She said, let's do it. I was like, let's do it. What? You know, so, uh -huh. um, and we still didn't tell till five months later at Thanksgiving. Mm. We told a cousin of ours who made us tell our mom. And at, from that point on, we did confront our abuser. Um, and he, of course, said we lied, you know, so it's kind of his word against ours. But, you know, I don't have to prove anything because I know what happened. He knows, too. He knows more than we do because he's older than us. Hmm. Um, so um, and from that point, like, a lot of my friends began to raise their hand and said, you know what? Me, too. Hmm. There we go. The hashtag me, too. Yep. So they were like, you know, the same thing. And so from that point, they were like, well, somebody had mentioned to me, well, let's have like a group session where we can talk about it. And I'm thinking, OK, we're going to have a group session. And that will be it, because I was not trying to be the voice of sexual abuse. Mm. And next thing I know, here comes the nonprofit organization. And, you know, <laughs> now it's a magazine. Now we got all these walks. But the blessing behind all of it is that so many people have come forward um, to tell their story and they're not ashamed. And mm. I'm no longer ashamed. Um, I know that it was not my fault. I know that I'm not by myself. I didn't realize how many people were sexually, have been sexually abused until um, I actually spoke up. And just to give you some statistics, uh, one out of every three or four girls and one out of every five or six boys will be sexually abused before they reach the age of 18. And that's only the ones that tell. So we don't even know the only truth. Only the ones that tell. Yeah, yeah. So honestly, we really don't even know what the true statistics are, you know. But um, so... Um, so yeah, so then once that happened, now here we are, the magazine that we're talking is just so much, but you know, in our community, you, you know the saying, what goes on in the house stays in the house. And to me, we need to get rid of that uh, because there are so many stories that mm -hmm. need to be told and, you know, and it's been taboo for years. Yes. Um, yeah, so I'll let someone else go ahead. <laughs> yes, I'm, like you ready to dive in it and I'm with you. Right, right, right. I'm, like, like, I'm trying to hold back like, and right. <laughs> Right, right. I'm with you. But no, we're going to definitely let the other ladies share their stories. Um, whoever want to go next. Um, I would say Latanya go to kind of right. piggyback off of Dee's story. Right, and that's what I was going to do. Um, I was just saying, basically, um, our stories is the same. Um, but I think the results of the tragedy affected us differently, whereas Dee Marie became the outgoing and, you know, more wild one where I was the passive and I became an introvert. So mm -hmm. I did not allow myself to be your friendly or, you know, I kind of stayed to myself and no was a hard word for me for a long time. So, um, and then like she said, we were young and I'm older. So I have more memory of what happened and more specifics. Of, of according to my memory of what happened and I'm not going to go into a whole whole lot of detail but it includes rape it includes oral includes all of that um and so growing up 
like I said, I, I became the passive one. I was the quiet one. I didn't say nothing. I didn't go anywhere. Um, I began to tell people my story sooner than what uh, Marie did. I started, I had a couple close friends and I mentioned to them, but I don't know, I can't remember what made me, me say it, but the conversation was so uncomfortable because I had a particular friend who had a lot of questions and her questions were detailed, well, what this, and I began to cram, just like a feeling on the inside, a whole, it's not just a mental thing, it's like a whole physical thing to where I have to stop answering her questions because now it's too much. It's, 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 it's a physical anxiety. That's what it is. At some point, I um, pushed myself to answer questions that I wasn't ready to only because I knew I had to get it out. So when um, Demarie came to me and was like, um, I think it's time for us to tell, I had already started to tell. So the next step for me was to be more public because I only told a close friends. I'm like, she said, we never even discussed it with each other. And it was never a question of, did it happen to you? It was always just the fact that it did. We always understood that it just was a common thing that we share besides, you know, just being sisters within itself. So when she came to me, it was not a question of, well, nah, should we? It was a question, you know, it was just, okay, let's, let's do it. Because she decided that she was ready. And I was like, okay, well, you know, if we ready, I got your back, let's do this. So, I mean, not that I wasn't uncomfortable doing it and not that I wasn't kind of grateful for the time lapse wow. <laughs> going forward. Um, but like she said, we revealed to a cousin and then um, the cousin made us tell our mom the next day. And what I remember about telling my mom the next day was the absolute anxiety that came over me to the point where I couldn't even be in the room when she told our mom for both of us because I became so anxious and my stomach was in such a knot that I just could not, it, it was a physical thing for me. And then actually, even though I've told this story several times, now I'm still feeling some of the anxiety from telling the story. And for me, it's all in my shoulders. I can feel it. So I, I was overcome and I just could not, I just absolutely could not, I couldn't do it. So I had to go in the other room while she tell. And then when I felt like it was okay. Yeah, she left me by myself. I did. <laughs> you said I did. I, I did. I did. And I'm the oldest, and I I, I completely like, I ran. I, 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 I look. I have no shame in saying that I did. And she did a wonderful job. Thank you so much. And that, I appreciate I mean, you. And that is that's the space that you can hold. You you did mm -hmm. what you could at that time. Um, mm -hmm. But the the change in my personality since we have revealed our story has dr become, changed drastically yeah. because mm -hmm. up until I was 30, I was always the quiet one. I was always the one who stood in the background. But since we have uh, revealed our story and become more comfortable telling the world and then to find out that a number of my friends was like, wow, I didn't know. And since you told, now I'm going to tell. So, and me, that happening, now I'm more... Um, extroverted I'm more willing to talk and God has really pushed me to do uh, a whole bunch of other things 
and it's, it's just, it's amazing. Like I said, my personality from that time to this time is drastically different, drastically. That's what opening up and talking about things like this happens. It allows you to come into yourself and be who you are. Freeing. It's like, yes, yes. very free and very free, very free. Very free. Yes, mm -hmm. I totally understand and get it. Um, it's interesting that I share more than a name with Tanya. It's crazy because I'm kind of a combination of her and Dee Dee. Mm -hmm. I was kind of in the middle. Um, I actually went to high school. I graduated with Dee Dee. Mm -hmm. Which is why I call her Dee Dee and not Dee Marie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was probably so, I was trying to stay a uh, professional because you got Dee Marie. I didn't want to confuse the people. <laughs> right. But it's interesting because Tanya, I guess, one grade above us, mm -hmm. but she was always quiet. She didn't talk. But I, my situation was interesting because I was about five and I was the type of person that blocked it out. I had a mental block. It was a cousin. There was no penetration, it was oral. I don't even remember how many times it happened, but I was in my senior year of college doing, it was supposed to be an easy class to get an easy A, like personal aware, something, I don't know, some type of personal class to get an easy A at the end of the semester so I could graduate. And we had to write these different stories and at whatever, I don't even remember the topic we were writing about, but I started having dreams and just visions. And I was like, that's, that's odd. Like, what is it? I, I had no idea why I was having these thoughts or dreams. And I remember I asked my mom, I told my mom about it eventually. And she was like, okay, I don't know. She didn't remember. At some point, I remember telling her, I told you about it. This is the scene I remember being here when I told you. And she said she didn't remember, which is highly possible because there was a lot of domestic violence and drugs in the home. She probably blocked it out. I remember her saying, don't tell your dad because he will kill him, mm. which is very true. Anybody that knows him knows he would have, he kept the gun under the bed, a machine gun, no less. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's just not even say anything. And I remember probably about eight, he, the cousin would still come to the house. He mm. was a teenager. I remember I did not like him and I'm not even sure why. I don't even know if I remembered at that point, probably about eight. I remember I spit on him because I knew that was the worst thing you could ever do to somebody. And that's the only thing I could do. But at some point he stopped coming around and it was probably six years ago. It was the first time I saw him and we were at a family reunion in Arkansas. And I promise you, I almost told my family, look, y'all gonna have to get another ride back because I'm going back home. I'm not going to be here with him. I will not. I said, just make sure he's nowhere in my vicinity. And one morning we went to breakfast. I walked over to the little hotel restaurant or whatever, and he was in there. And he came over, and he put his arm around me. And it took everything in me not to go to jail that day. Because I was like, you know what? I could really, 
hurt him right now. He can't hurt me. I knew that. But it was a whole lot of people around and family. And I was like, okay, keep calm. Fine. But my family made sure there was a physical barrier between us. Like he couldn't be around me at all. But my behavior was, I be, I was always quiet and introverted like Tanya, but I was considered the mean Tanya because there were like three Tanyas in schools. And so there was the short Tanya, just the one Tanya. And I was the mean Tanya because I was defensive. And I had, again, a lot of other stuff going on at home. Just leave me alone. Don't bother me. Don't talk to me. And again, I didn't even remember about the abuse. So, and I've, and since that was 96 when I wrote that paper and I remembered everything and I did tell my family and my dad too, I'm not even sure how he felt about it. Maybe he talked to my brother about it. He never talked to me about it really. I remember my older brother was like, he was a police officer. He was like, yeah, no, he wasn't having it. He was really upset. But from my younger brother, the one that I'm closest to, he always, he's like, okay. And I think we were at a football game, a class reunion. And I was walking in the parking lot with Dee Dee and we were just like, oh, what have you been doing? What are you up to? And she said she was getting ready to start a nonprofit. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm a survivor too. So pretty much I, once I remembered, I never had problems talking about it. Mm. I just didn't because it's not an everyday conversation topic. Right, right, right. <laughs> it makes other people uncomfortable. And yeah. as a therapist, I don't have time to counsel you and coddle your feelings. I just don't bring it up. I just don't. <laughs> but, <Thanks. laughs> but basically other people from my support system, they have always supported me. They'll listen. If I talk, they don't necessarily say anything, which is fine. Every, people don't really know what to say. Right. But like my mom and my friend, they're on here. They're watching. Right. So they always support. My brother would always go to the walks with me when mm -hmm. he sure had the walks. He yep. would always come. Look, allergies and all. Couldn't even be outside in April, but he would come anyway. <laughs> yes. Yes, he, he did. He was one of our biggest supporters. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah, and that's good to yes. hear because usually, um, usually it's family that aren't so supportive, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when we talk about <sighs> sorry, y'all, that was heavy for me. <laughs> no, it's okay, mm -hmm. but um, especially when we're talking about the black community, um, and I mean, going back to what you first said, D, about it, what stays in my house, you know. Mm -hmm. if, uh, what is what, if it don't um if it don't kill you what don't kill you won't hurt you uh, right that's the stupidest Thinking thing ever it is oh, you have to thick in the mind you willing, you willing to risk death stupid I, I yes yeah yeah and <laughs> it, it is no it's so many um things we need to get rid of in in the back black community especially when it comes to like sexual abuse and mm -hmm. you know and of course it stems back to just years of yeah. us just you know being secretive and just not wanting to tell you know 
it is so much that can go into why we it is don't. So right. much that can go into it. Um, yeah, and then you know traumas from generations too. You know, um, yeah, and sometimes you know, in our community, it, it's like we become numb to things because we see it so often that yeah. we start to think that it's just normal, mm-hmm. and it's not. And like you say, it's like when you start talking, and it's like you be here, like you. You're like, you're just trying to get it off and hear someone else like, oh, me too. And me too. Me too. And it's like, really? Right. <laughs> right. It's um, It'd be like amazing. Like, you right. know what I mean? Having those conversations and hearing people that come out and then you don't feel so alone. Exactly. Exactly. You don't feel so alone in it. Um, so yeah. it's definitely like, it's just learning the process. If you, if you want to speak up and speak out, you know, knowing that you can set boundaries in your truth. You don't exactly. have to elaborate yeah. on what happened to you, but you can right. let people shout, I am a survivor. I'm surviving. Because it helps other people get through it. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. It definitely does. But how do we address it in our community? Like, what do we need to do to stop what is going on? The biggest yeah, thing to me, okay. I'm sorry. The biggest no, thing no, no. first is start with education. Mm-hmm. You have to start first start with educating our children. It starts there because if our children don't realize what is bad, what is wrong, you know what I'm saying? They'll never know. So it starts with education and it starts with learning what is wrong. Because like you said, it's so common Mm -hmm. that you get to a point where it's numbing that you don't want to hear about it. And it's easier to ignore a problem than it is to fix a problem. So we have in the black community have become and have ignored so many issues that we have that it has become a comfort comfortable for us to ignore them instead of addressing them. But the good thing to a degree at this point is now we have a generation that's coming up behind myself yeah. and Tanya and um, Didi's where you can no longer ignore so these type of things, this type of form, like the podcast and stuff, it's making things, making more aware so that people can get out there and start the education programs or um, the support groups that's needed so that we can face the issue, resolve the issue, or, you know, at least address the issue because we have to start there. But it begins with education. It begins with putting the word out. And it begins really with a conversation. Yeah. If we don't yeah. have the conversation, nothing can begin from there. We yeah. got to have the conversation. Yeah. And, and also too, um, you know, those of us that are survivors, you know, because, and, and the only, and one thing about sexual abuse is it has such a stronghold on um, victims because they, it, I guess because it's such an intimate thing that you just do not want to tell anybody. And there's so much shame behind it. But as Tanya said, if we can educate and rid ourselves of the shame and be open, then these predators will know that they can no longer do this because they pray. I mean, it's okay. It's so much. I just want to say, well, we, I will try, I'll try that. No, and just but to follow like, up for a minute on that part right there. We have shamed the victims. Yes. Instead yes, of shaming yes. the predators. Do yes. you hear me? We are like... Oh, look, I'm frustrated and I'm mad because it, like it the, irritates that, me. Yes. Yeah. Like you will protect your your boyfriend, your cousin, your whoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, whoever yeah. this person is before you you trust and support the victim. And then like yeah. for me, it was at a young age. So hearing your it's, it's children like so, mm-hmm. 
man. That, and and children, yeah, yeah, at that age, they don't have the words to tell what happened to them. So that there needs to be someone that is their voice. Mm -hmm. So when they do start acting out or, you know, a lot of times we just put in and just start spanking them. Okay, yes, you do have the discipline, but at the same time, why is your child behaving in this certain way? You know, Tanya can probably, Tanya Davidson, you can probably talk a lot about that, you know, but why are they behaving in such a way? You know, kids don't just start just clowning sometimes for no reason. You know, what is going on? Yes, mm -hmm. you got a discipline, but you also need to find out what the root problem is. You know, ask right. the questions. Don't be afraid. Is there someone touching yep. you? You know, um, teach them their body parts, what their yep. real body parts are, you know. Yeah, yeah. No that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, you have to start as part of the education when they're younger. You have to tell them the real names of their body parts. Mm -hmm. It's a penis. It's a vagina. Because it really just makes the adult uncomfortable saying those right. words. So, mm -hmm. so if something does happen, they're like, well, he touched me down there or she touched me down there. Where's down there? Right. What, mm -hmm. So they have the words to use because kids are young. They absorb everything. So yeah. if you teach them the real words, it's normal. Right. So it's not a shameful thing. It's like, well, this is what happened. They touched me there like oh it makes the adults uncomfortable mm -hmm. but that's what part of the education is you have to realize you're uncomfortable so imagine how it makes the person that it happened to feel right 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 so. and also too um and this is one thing I, I wanted to uh tell is that even like with perpetrators like for instance they will um so if it's a child they'll tickle the child in front of the parent. So say, you know, your child is with you and they might start tickling them and may even touch them in ways that's inappropriate, but the mm -hmm. parent may not recognize it and the parent doesn't say anything. So then the child thinks it's okay because the parent mm -hmm. never said anything. So, and not that we always got to be on guard. I mean, I, sometimes you really do got to be on guard. I'm about to say, I, when you, know you have man. been in that space, you have like, right. as a mother of two girls, look, I did I not. I was like, Lord, please don't give me no girls. And this was one of the reasons, but it, it, like, can you imagine my mental space mm -hmm. on top of being a mother to two girls and then having that experience of my own? So I feel like I am a little overprotective about where yeah. my children Absolutely. go and who they're around yeah. because of that sense. Like, yeah. I don't want them to have to go through what I went through. Exactly. Um, and you just never know who. That's right. the scary part. And I was going to say, we worry about our girls, and that's good, we should, but now you have to worry about your son, yeah. because it's a lot more men that have been sexually assaulted or molested than they're willing to come out. Now there's more that are coming out, but they're not making it public. They may tell friends or something, because I have friends of mine who are male who say, yeah, that happened. They may not public, but they know it happened. So we have to teach not just our girls, we have to teach our boys, our sons, because unfortunately the same thing is happening to them. And because we put such a male mm -hmm. role on them, mm -hmm. it's, yep. it's shameful for them to come out because now you, we're saying they soft and mm -hmm. they weak and, and that's not the case. That's just right. not the you know, Sexual assault is sexual assault, period. Yeah, yeah. That's part of the yeah. education too. Yeah. Calling out your boys when you hear them in the barbershop talking, 
it and they'll casually have a conversation about it or dismiss it they were like i lost my virginity when i was eight to my babysitter she was 14 like no no that's not no sir right so you have to just from a, and don't be like oh man that was right no bruh seriously that's not you have to be serious about it don't joke about it and dismiss it that's a serious issue and i've had conversation with people that i know on multiple occasions they have said that yes and then you know you got people who go to prison then they like oh man does that make me gay now like they it's a whole mental thing because of the male status that they've been given in the community Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They the masculinity, yeah. like I, I don't have that if I've been sexually abused, but that's not mm-hmm. the case. That's not yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. I know my um I have so I have three I have three kids, two boys and, and a girl. And my sons, <laughs> I mean I laugh at it now, but like when they were younger, you know, we had a a, a youth uh a leader that would always, you know, take them places and stuff. And, you know, because of what happened to me, my mind is automatically going to, going left. Mm-hmm. Why, I'm like, why is he um, always asking me to take you out places? Mm-hmm. And, um, who is at my door? I'm so sorry. Are you fine? <laughs> why, <laughs> why are you always taking him places, you know? Um, and they will be like, mom, you tripping. And I'm like, you know what? It was because in my mind, I was thinking something crazy, which was not the case, you know. Right. We joke about it now, but then it was like- It was serious. You know, it was serious. Yeah. yeah, I totally understand. Like I said, I do, I definitely have that anxiety. I'm so sorry. Can you guys excuse me just for one moment? I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> it's, 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 it's life of COVID. <laughs> right. <laughs> At least you announced that she was leaving. I look. But, um, <laughs> So yeah, um, it, it's definitely uh, tough having children and being in that space because um, you 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 tend to be um, overly protective. Um, I know that's mm-hmm. the case for me. Um, but I mean, looking back, um, I guess we did kind of talk about how it affects you. Do you think it still affects you guys now? Like, I think I have dealt with it better because now I'm more open to talk and have a discussion and have the talk with anybody that's willing to listen. But I still see the residual effects of it from, you know what I'm saying, from when it happened. Now I just recognize what triggers me. I recognize what my issues are. I have a trust issue. I have um, a low self-esteem issue that I continue to struggle with. I'm yeah. better, and but I recognize what it is. So yeah, it still has some effect on me till this day. I'm just in a better position where I recognize what those issues are so that I can deal with them because yep. anxiety is something that creeps up on me or, you know, certain things, but I, I kind of learn what triggers me. So I know what, it, you know, what I can do deal with and what my issues are. Mm. That, mm-hmm. that, that, it definitely takes a lot of work um, and kudos to you for doing that work because it does um, learning your triggers and, being aware of, because it's a lot. <laughs> and you know what? The One of the hardest things I believe, and Tanya, you could probably uh, answer me, is the forgiveness issue. Because mm. people always say we have to forgive, and you do, but the reasons why we have to forgive is what, is what it is, because we're not forgiving them for them. Mm, we're right. forgiving them for us. 
Because if we do not, we hold on to that trauma, we hold on to that tragedy, and it's a weight on our shoulders. And they've gone on with their life. If they're not, you know, been arrested yes. or whatever the situation is, they've gone on. And now we're stuck being four or five years old because mm. we never let it go. So we have to forgive, not because of them, not even for the fact that we even have to tell them, I forgive you, because chances are, in most cases, you're, a, you're, you're not with them any time. I remember when I was nine years old, and from up until I was nine, I thought I was the ugliest child in the world. You can tell me no difference. Mm. And i never forget, I was nine years old, and I was in the bathroom, and I was looking in the mirror. And I was looking in the mirror, and I looked at myself. And it was like, I saw somebody I didn't see. And to me, at that moment, I looked pretty. And I don't know what made me do what I say, God, because I said in the mirror to myself and I said it out loud, I forgive you. Mm. And from that moment, it wasn't, it didn't have as much effect on me because I released it. And I never forget, I was nine years old and I looked in the mirror and when I said it, my whole picture of myself, the reflection that I saw changed. I didn't see the ugly little girl that I used to see because I thought I was horrible. But my vision of me changed once I let the forgiveness go, let it go and I forgave them. So I realized even then as a child that forgiveness was not for them, it was for me because it changed my outlook of me. And I, it doesn't mean I still didn't struggle. It doesn't mean that I still didn't have self-esteem issues because still to this day, I do. Mm-hmm. I still struggle with that consistently. But my outlook and my view of me changed and I let it go. And it was like part of a weight had fell off of me and my vision, I mean, literally my vision of me changed. Yeah. So we and, to, yeah. and also I want to say us. too, Mm-hmm. Another part of healing, and I don't, and Shavanna, if I'm going to, like, if I'm not ready to go there, then let me know. We can, go ahead. You know, now, we were just talking about how does it affect you. Like, we kind of talked about how it affected you guys back then. We was kind of talking about how it affects you now, but she got into the, the parts of work that she's doing in healing. So that's, we look, this conversation. Yeah. But forgiveness. So uh, I still, I think I still kind of struggle with forgiveness. I mm-hmm. say I have forgiven, but like something still rises up in me, you know, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if that will ever go away, you know, um, because I do see, uh, my abuser as human. I see him as human. And I know that, you know, people do bad things and I have forgiven him, but there's still a little something that rises up. Um, but I, I also want to stress too, is therapy, you know, unfortunately that is a cuss word in the black community. Therapy does not mean you're crazy. We yes. all have issues. You know, we go to the doctor for medical issues. You know, when we have uh, pain or anything, we go see a doctor. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. or we do wellness checkup. We don't even need to have pain. Um, yes. we, every year you get a wellness checkup. Well, why aren't we getting mental wellness checkups? You know, a lot of us are trying to live and, and um, we're trying to thrive. We're trying to survive with these past traumas, such as sexual abuse, but it has such a hold on you. Sometimes it's hard to get through it and you yes. don't even know why. You don't even know why you're right. struggling in certain areas, you know, um, yeah. but, and, and it's not easy to, you know, when you go see, go to there. I, I went to therapy. I love my therapist, you know, um, Shout out and therapist. Okay. <laughs> not all bad. I promise we not. Right. <laughs> I think a lot of what it is, is they don't look like us. Yes. Yeah, girl. So, come on here, honey. <laughs> when I went, I remember when I was a therapist, 
from us. I can't even tell you how many times I've had people because when I left working for the state, I went to the YWCA and their grant said 14 and up, but they had one young lady that was 17 from the person that was seeing her because I was like, ooh, can I work with the adolescents? I love young people because that's what my background is. Partially because of my upbringing, I didn't want anybody to ever be like me, feel unheard, unseen, and just kind of there fighting and fending for themselves with whatever they were thinking. So I'm always on the child's level. I can understand them. And so a lot of people that were on my caseload or people that work for the state would refer their adolescents to me. So the adolescent population picked up quite a bit when I went there and they were like, oh, you can have, have the adolescents. Oh, I can't stand them. That's exactly why. But from a, even adult black women, um, from a, I had they would bring kids from the detention center in their orange jumpsuit to see me, and from a, I think because my personality it just meshes better with young people. You know, they're just like uh, I'm like, well, you know what? I got enough attitude for you and me both. Go ahead, bring yeah. it. <laughs> so, but. I had a lot of them say, oh, you're not what I expected. I was like, well, what did you expect? And they would always say, an old white lady. I was like, well, I'm not white and I'm not old. So now what? What? What is your reason now? Yeah. And that's real. That's real that was and a, raw on the Hood Talks podcast. It's because that's how I, I am. I can't be any other way. No, so. I, that's how I appreciate it. That's you can't bring it no other way on the Hood Talks podcast. No, but for real, like that is one of the things is right. Is they that's the therapists that are in these schools and in these places and these they are they don't look like the children that are being served right they can't mm -mm. really understand mm -mm. what those mm -mm. children have going on in their lives yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's real and even yeah. the adults they ain't finna go sit in front of you and you can't understand they ain't got time to put you up on all of the the, the generations right. of traumas we right, ain't got time right. for that exactly. <laughs> right you heard because me because in our community we have trauma on top of trauma, top of trauma. yeah yes. yeah yeah, this is and just it's hard. one layer. Right. One layer. Right. How many episodes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one layer. It's a lot to unpack. So, yes. Community. But we got to get to unpacking, y'all. Yeah, you most definitely yeah. do. Where are our babies going to be? You know, exactly. Okay, that ain't what But I you're heard. right, though, because, and we have <laughs> to get to the root. The problem is, like, and, and I always say this, look now, and we look at the world, and we're like, oh, there's so many shoes, there's so many things. And I'm not saying everything is sexual abuse, but the truth is there is a root cause. And if you do not pull out that root, you're not, you're, it's, not it's just surface. You know, mm -hmm. you can go down, like I have uh, some rose bushes outside. One year I was like, I'm going to chop these rose bushes down because I just could not keep up with them. I'm like, so I just cut them down. And guess what? A week later, they were right back. And you know why they were back? Because I did not dig out the root. If you do not dig that root out, then mm -hmm. those issues will come right Blast. back. Sometimes yes. they blossom bigger and prettier yes. and brighter. Yes. Yes. You and we have to be truthful. I am a survivor of sexual abuse. I was sexually abused at the age of three. You know what I'm saying? There are people that, you know, haven't, haven't said anything, but I'm here to let you know, I am your voice. If you need to talk to someone, 
find a safe person, a safe space where you can share your truth and begin to heal. Because when you start to heal, that means you give permission for your entire family to heal. Yes. You know, it starts with just one person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you have to realize that a lot of cases, when you start begin the process of coming out and talking about it, you're going to lose people. Yeah. yeah. You are yeah. going to lose yeah. people. But guess yeah. what? It's okay. Because a lot of times when you heal and you become different, people want to keep you stuck in the place Girl, what they're comfortable with. Yeah. 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 But you have to get out of your comfortable place so that you can be bigger and better and have the things that you are able to have. How can I ever receive anything if I have my hand like this? If I'm always holding on to something, I can never get nothing else. Until I let it go, something else can be placed in my hand, period. So that goes with trauma. That goes with anything. If I constantly hold on to the trauma, if I constantly hold on to the pain, to the hurt, I will never get anything in my life but that pain, that hurt, that trauma. It is until I release it that happiness, that joy, that contentment, that healing can come. Yeah. We have to learn to let go of those things. Yeah. That's yeah. step one. We have to learn. It's a process. It is it a process. I mean, it's yeah. not yeah. going to happen overnight. Yeah, it's not, right. it's it's not going to happen on the night. And I think and a lot hard. of times people think that things are going to happen overnight. Please don't believe that. Yeah. It is a process. When you open up that hand, it's like open up Pandora's box because you don't know what's going to come out of there with that. So you got to let it go, but you have to deal with what you had in your hand because when I'm hand is closed, I don't see it. Mm, I don't see what I'm holding on to like this. I can't see what's in my hand. Yeah. But when I let it go, I have to look at what I was holding on to and look at it and looking at it, it's going to be painful, but it's only until I look at it and release it that things are going to change yes. and that healing because, and the happiness right. is going to come. And people think healing is, oh, I'm healed. And now you're, you're running through the lilies and no healing <laughs> looks like <laughs> screaming, crying, snotting, crying, uh, getting up. Did I do this right? Maybe I shouldn't have said this. Maybe, you know, I regret now I'm shutting back down again. Okay. Now I'm back healing. It's not a straight uh, up line. No, it's mm-hmm. zigzag. <laughs> all the time it's because generally when you're going through the healing process you're going through the grieving process mm. because technically you have to realize you're grieving your innocence that you lost you're grieving mm-hmm. people that are now no longer in your life whether yeah. it's family or friends and so you know you've got the denial like Madidi said she was three and it was 30 years. It was 30 years of denial. So right, whether she right. knew it, she knew it happened, yeah. but it was like, okay, you block it out, do other and things go, go on with yeah. your life. But that's denial. But then right. you've got mm. the anger and you know, you bargain and you try to question why and what could I have done differently? And then you're just kind of sad about it. You're depressed because you're grieving what you lost. Mm-hmm. And eventually you get to acceptance. The thing with that is you possibly can work through some things and you're fine until later on and it comes back up. So you're okay. And generally it comes back up when you're in, usually when it's life-changing situations. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a graduation, 
you know, you have your own kids and now you're, it brought back up like, oh God, now what about, what if that happens to my kids? Mm -hmm. Your child gets married and then they have kids or if somebody dies, what if it's the person who was the abuser? It brings it all back up. So now you have to go into a whole different process because you're processing now the loss of that person what if how does that make you feel because let's say your child goes off to college that's great oh that's a whole different issue it's a great thing but now you're worried about them so it's always it can be something you've dealt with but it can it's like an onion keep coming those different layers they just keep coming off because at the core of the onion that's the part that will make you cry and you can always you know just drink and so a lot of people they become sexually promiscuous mm-hmm. they have a lot of addictions because mm-hmm. if i'm drinking you know i'm not thinking about it anymore i'm good right, right. we start to hide it i think that's a lot of yeah. um, it's, it's it's again like we said sexual abuse but it, it also talks about all of the trauma in the black community that we experience because uh, you know that it definitely leads to those type of behaviors um you know like you said uh alcohol drug abuse um and then uh but like you said too d it, it can be anything like honestly um for me i always felt like a void um and so i tried to like buy things or or my hair or my you know like I always wanted to look a certain way because I didn't want to look like a victim so I try to make sure I had to be dressed a certain way um I spent a lot of money on clothes and I want my hair had to be a certain way like I didn't want to look like somebody that's been right. so I try to um disguise myself and right. you know that goes into an addiction of overspending like you said finances you, yep. you know what I mean yep. so it can come into different places yeah. you don't necessarily yeah. have to be just you know a, a alcoholic uh situation or you could be just diving into something on the deep end like like I said spending all this and money on, the, on something that you don't need but you feel right, like you right. because you're the flip side that of that though you have people who become perfectionists mm. yeah there yeah. are a lot of professionals a lot of professionals. Yes. I had a lady who would come to see me on her lunch break. She was a professor at a university. Mm. And one day she started having, she had PTSD. She started having flashbacks in my office. Mm. And I'm like, oh, whoa. Okay. That was the first time I had seen. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I had to make sure she was grounded. Make sure your feet are on the floor. You're here. You're present. Right. Because just her talking about it took her back. But she had on her nice suit, you know, nails yeah. done, hair done. She was a professional, well, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, because um, we sometimes think that they, you know, people who have been sexually abused look a certain way. And that's not true. But mm-hmm. workaholics, right. people that work all the time, that's always mm-hmm. at work, you know, staying busy. You know, it's kind because of like feel that void. Yes, because it fills that void. Yeah. So you're just constantly moving. So you don't have time to even think about that at all. You know, mm-hmm. because once you sit down with yourself, guess what? You got to deal with yourself, you, you know, move. and that's even comes with relationships, you know, all yeah. of that, you know, we, you're looking for, for something, but it's like, why am I having these, um, you know, like I, there are certain, I was married, there's certain ways my husband would touch me that would bring, take me back there. 
You know, I never told him. I never told him that I was sexually abused. You know, I wanted to get into that too about the relationship part of it, like when yeah. you have freaking other, like how that affects that 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 bond between you and uh, your your partner. Um, yeah, like you said, if you've been touched, if he touches you some way or in an area where you know that is a trigger for you, you're not you're not gonna want to bond. You're not gonna right. want to be sexual. You're not right. gonna feel like what he's trying to give you because um, right. you know sometimes it's thought to be to you it becomes disgusting it becomes nasty right you know, it's not you don't really get the pleasure in it because you're like turned off because of what you experience right and then people go into relationships go into marriage and they never even share I didn't you didn't you don't share this now your spouse is trying to figure out you know what the heck is going on mm-hmm. but they don't even have a clue you know, so now you're in this relationship, you're trying to make it work, but you're broken. Mm. And, you know, you got broken people in these relationships and then you have children. Now you have broken children, you know, and it's like, yeah. let's get healed. You know, come on, Black community. Let's heal. Let's dig into these roots. Let's dig into the families. You know, there's one saying that I like to say, sexual abuse is not a family secret. It's a crime. Mm, and absolutely. unfortunately, we, you know, and go back to even like R. Kelly, you know, we rallied around him and we just want, oh, R. Kelly, R. Kelly, R. Kelly is a pedophile. And that, and that goes back to children that deal with their parents, you know, say mm-hmm. their father abused them. And then you hear people who always say, well, why would they uh, be around their father if he abused them? Because they love their parents, right. but their right. parent is a pedophile. Mm-hmm. They don't want their parent to do the things that they do, but their parent is their provider and they love their parents. You know, how do you deal with that? How do you say, I love my dad, but I don't want my dad coming to my room at night? You know, my dad didn't mm-hmm. do that, you know, but I'm just saying, you know, how do you, you know, and then you got people questioning the child. Well, of course, they love that parent. It's just, unfortunately, right. the parent is a pedophile, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. The way they show love, and that creates a whole nother issue of, which is kind of sometimes how people come promiscuous because yes, that's how yes. they feel like they're supposed, they're supposed to be. To love. Mm-hmm. They're supposed yeah. to just kind of blank out when people touch them and do things. So pretty much, it's like sex, whatever. Okay, because no, to them it's to nothing. Them. They're numb to it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's re-traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like come on. It's like black community. Yeah, let's speak up. You know, like I be want to get on like a bullhorn and say, you know, come on, you My guys. My people, please. Right, right. right. And what we, go ahead. I'm sorry, we're I'm laughing, we but we are dead serious here. <laughs> right, right. right. And yeah. we need to stop putting time limits on when we can talk about trauma whenever it happens. Because I know mm-hmm. one of the biggest questions that people say is, well, why are you wait till now so to say long. something? Oh what gosh. took you so long? It doesn't matter what took me so long. I'm at the point now where it's time for me too. So right. don't question when I go to get my healing. Mm-hmm. We have to learn how to create a safe space within the black community that where we can avoid all these traumas instead of questioning the victims of the trauma. Because yeah. we want to say, well, why you stayed so long when he was hitting on you? It don't matter why I'm staying. Help me now while I'm in a position where I'm trying to get what I need. Why you wait 30 years to say that you were sexual abused? It don't matter why I'm waiting. Now I'm seeking the help that I need. So we need exactly. to stop questioning victims on why it took yes. you so long. Ooh. It doesn't matter what took it matters that they're doing it. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and, and what people need to realize is no matter where you are, at your family's house, at a party, at, in a classroom, at work, there is always a survivor in the room. Hmm. I don't care where you are. There is like you always, said, it's one in four. Girls. Yes. Yes. There's so, always a survivor in the room. So if you're somewhere mm-hmm. and they hear you, you know, talk about women that come forward, well, she's stupid. Why she wait so long? Guess what? That survivor is listening to you. That's mm-hmm. gonna push them back even further from now one to tell their truth. Mm. And it and it is their truth. There, so if you want to go by statistics as well, you always mess that word up. <laughs> um, and Tanya could probably even uh, back me up on this. Only like two to four percent of people that come forward are lying. So that means exactly. if you got a hundred people in a room and they all say they're sexually abused, only two to four of them are telling or are lying. Everyone else is telling the truth. Yeah. So if you want to go by that, stop saying these people are making this up. No one wants to make up that I have I was raped right. or sexually abused. Like who wants to make that story up? Right. You know. That's- Especially with yeah. um, all of the shame that you get for, yes. for, for being, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. The shame yeah. that you, we show for being a victim. So why would somebody want to come out and say, I, I've been abused? <laughs> like, what glor- what, is anybody glorifying that? I don't think so. Right, exactly. So, no, exactly. what we're trying to do is heal our people. Yes, yes. In this situation, yes. providing yeah. space for them to be able to process that. So they can heal. That's 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 what we're doing. Ain't nobody around here giving out certificates. Right, right. Right. <laughs> right. right. Nobody's doing that. No. Like, no. and so that's so again, black community. I, I know we've been conditioned and we have a lot to again unpack for our community, but this is where it starts. Like you guys said, having these conversations, not shying away from them and being open to hearing someone else's story. Cause this might not be someone's story. They might have right. never experienced right. it. But right. you have a child that you can again educate and talk to to help prevent this you might have a niece or a nephew you know a cousin a friend like hey girl that's is that your situation how do I hold space for them so that's my question to you all if we have someone that this is not their they they've not experienced any of this but they know someone that has how can they hold space for that person yeah for one one, uh I'm sorry do you want to say something Uh, okay Okay. (laughs) for one I would say um listen listen believe and support you know, it's hard for people to come and tell their story. Someone tell you, and sometimes you don't always have to have a comeback. It's just allowing them that space just to talk. Mm. No response Mm. needed. Mm. No response needed. Sometimes it's just, Mm. they have held this for 30 years and they just now just need someone to listen to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So if I had to say anything, my thing would be just to listen. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was gonna, gonna say, say, I was gonna say the same thing: is to listen and listen without judgment. Try your yeah. best not to be judgmental. Um, let them talk and vent, because like uh, Didi said, you don't have to have a comeback. You don't have to have advice. <laughs> you do not have to give your opinion because at this point, your opinion is not solicited or wanted. Hmm. Just listen and. If you want to be supportive, try to help them, direct them to a therapist, direct them to a support group, direct them to somebody that can help them because chances are they're talking to their friend who may not have no idea 
and they trying to give them advice right. and like, you'll be okay, but now nah, they need to talk to somebody. They need to get this off. And it's beyond your scope of what you can do. Send them to a yeah. professional. It is nothing wrong with getting professional help. It is nothing wrong. It doesn't mean that you're crazy. Mm. We black yeah. people, professional mm. help does not mean that you're crazy. Oh, it man. does not mean you're supposed to go down to DFS, the Department of Family Services, and get a, no a check. Nope. check. No, that is not what that means. It is okay not to get a crazy check because you're not crazy. You're not crazy. Right. Just to go see somebody somebody that that does not, we put such a stigma on counseling and seeing a psychiatrist and all that. We put such a stigma. Period. We we do. Like, it's be like, oh, you just crazy. You got that. That's uncle. He just crazy. Right. No, that uncle over right. there is acting out because he has trauma. That right. we need to address. Like, stop yeah. crying. You know, yes. stop crying yeah. before I give you something to cry about. Well, like, we be a big deal. Um, the fact I know that I don't want his beard touching me. Gross. Get, I don't, don't make your kids go and sit on Uncle Petey's lap. Like, don't do that. If you don't want Aunt Bunny to give you a kiss. Right. Yeah. And also, too, sometimes we joke about that uncle or that that's a pervert, you know, like that mm, uncle that's always yes. talking about the girls or, I mean, honestly, yeah, like the family joke about, oh, don't go around him because, but the truth is those things that we need to address, you know what I'm saying? Right. right. Obviously, there's something going on with this uncle, you know, um, and, and we need to address it. But a lot of times we just kind of just, it's, we joke about how it. how he is. Yeah, that's yeah. just how he right. is. Yes, and, and I was like, no, that's not just how he is, y'all. He right. is, he's, he's not right. That's what it is. He's and not I, right. And then, then it's it's crazy because too, we we get to when we okay, we notify that this is the 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 person that may be um the one that's doing the touching. But mm-hmm. if we're not stopping it by the the one person that told, we're letting what? him go yeah. around. Yeah, and keep doing mm-hmm. what he's doing. So now we're yeah. affecting more people and affecting more people and affecting more people instead of yeah. stopping and addressing it and you know saving folks from that happening to them. Yeah. We just like then it on the rug or let's yeah. again right. I know it's, it's April Sunday, but the, everybody has their religion, that's fine. But sometimes you can't just pray things away. You okay. know, you, you can't just pray things away. The black community, that's what's one of our things too. Well, baby, just you pray, pray, pray it. right. You no, you need just a therapist. Pray trauma away. You need yeah. somebody to help process yeah. that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just so you know, there are people who are Christian counselors. So mm-hmm. you can go to a counselor who is more faith based if that's what you feel what like you, you need. Yes. You know, they have a background because I grew up in the church. I know some things, so I can touch on it, mm-hmm. you know. But generally, I'm not supposed to, you know, separate church and state for much. I have people all the time that be like, oh, bless you. You know, they're like, do you believe in God? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. But generally, I won't say, oh, bless you. You know, Mm -hmm. but people are able to give scriptures related to the, you know, what happened or what your situation is because so when you go to look for a counselor, you can look for someone who specializes in, in trauma, sexual issues, mm-hmm. um, or a Christian counselor. So yeah. you can ask for, look for someone who is a male or a female, you know, the therapy Whatever for black girls. There's plenty of right. websites and directories. 
And just if you don't feel like you're ready to go to counseling, you can always just look online. Support yes. it's, it's Sexual yeah. Assault Awareness Month. There, there are several websites like Rain, the Rape and Incest National Network. They have statistics. They have sites. And generally in every area, there's a women's resource center or somebody that does specialize in violence and trauma and mm. sexual trauma. So you can always find some information or resources or, or reach out to someone. They have online list of books for kids that you can read to your kids, like even like as young as two. So age appropriate books or how do you deal with the situation, if your child comes to you and tells you something happened, mm. parents might need to get therapy for themselves, let alone yeah. their yeah. children, because now they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. You're not necessarily supposed to, because first of all, parenting doesn't come with a handbook. It, this no, it <laughs> no, you don't know not. what to do, but right. you should know enough to know to get somebody that can help you. Yeah. And, and then I'm sorry, I wanted to put a quick spin on it. We want our children to recognize the symptoms if they're a victim, but parents, we need to recognize signs when our children are predatory. Mm. Yeah. You need yeah. to recognize yeah. and see when your child has predatory behavior and yeah. do something about it. Yeah. You can get them help as well. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. So while we looking at the victim, and of course, I always want to look at the victim, but as early as some kids as child or teenagers, you yeah. can see the predatory behavior in your child. You need to seek help for that child as yeah. well so yeah. that they won't start that line or right. get yeah. stop it before it even get started. Get help for your kids, period. Don't be ashamed. It yeah. doesn't have to reflect on you because that's one of the problems we think well if they do this that reflects on me it reflects yeah, right. on how i raise them don't worry about you get your child some help period yes. yeah you said yeah. yes and then too over sexualizing our children yes um, girl that's one thing on. too yes like in the black yeah. community i think we over sexualize our children um, yeah um, yeah and it's real um mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, i just I do want to say the community. Too. I mean, society at large is over sexualized. Yeah. From yeah. like a few years ago, my friend went to J.C. Penney, a more conservative store, looking for clothes for her child. She was like, "Okay, she's like seven or ten. Why are these shirts crop shirts? Mm -hmm. Why are they like? Can we just get a regular T-shirt? Like all short shorts and crop tops. Like, and everybody has access to social media." And mm -hmm. more people with uh, the LGBTQIA community having more of a voice. Everything is more about sexuality. And so it's just it's society as a whole. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, I wanted to say something. This is kind of just going back a little bit, but um, okay, uh, back to, um, uh, oh gosh, we're talking about, um, oh, how it takes so long to even speak up. Um, one thing, and also about forgiveness too. One thing I wanted to say too, a lot of times like we'll wait until like, for instance, you know, me and my sister, we waited till we were in our thirties before we said anything. Well, sometimes people wait and then they start feeling guilty because it's like, if I would have just said this earlier, I think somebody said that they'll, I think uh, Shivani, you said that they'll keep going on and, and molesting other people in the family. And a lot of times 
and, and usually people wait for a long time before they speak up, but mm-hmm. then they might feel guilty, you know, because they didn't tell at an earlier mm-hmm. age and then other people began, they found out, began to be, you were molested as well, or parents might feel guilty. But another um, thing to healing is that you've got to learn how to forgive yourself, you mm-hmm. know, because yeah. a lot of times people hold on to um, that pain of, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda, but in order to move forward, not only do you have need to forgive um, the abuser, which, you know, I know that's not easy, but then also forgive yourself. You know, that's going to be a part of your healing, you know, yeah. because a lot of times we'll blame ourselves for mm-hmm. what happened to us and it was not our fault. Mm-hmm. But we'll say, you know, well, maybe I shouldn't have, because um, even it could be you were drunk and someone raped you. You know, maybe I shouldn't have drank. Maybe I shouldn't have taken those drugs. Maybe I shouldn't smoke that marijuana. Maybe I shouldn't have um went to what their clothes room. I had on or maybe right. I maybe shaped. I shouldn't have put that, that was on. one for right. me maybe I shouldn't be shaped like this as a child like why am I right. and, like and that, I'm... right that is beyond your control you know right you right but a lot of times we take on that guilt mm-hmm. uh because it's our fault but the truth is it's not your fault that person is sick that person that's is part a of the victim shaming yeah, yeah. it's been yeah. ingrained that it had to be your fault and also when mm-hmm. you're trying to make it through life and because as humans things have to make sense and when they don't make sense it it is just too much it's frustrating so you have to have a reason why they would do something like that why when the only reason is it was something wrong with them yeah Yeah. whether they were abused or whatever their background is it was their fault but in order to move forward with life you can because you have to because people try to take control that's your way of control like you said you would change how you dress you wanted to look a certain way so that was your way of controlling the narrative so you try to make sense of why well again if I wasn't shaped like that you didn't have anything to do with that right genetics and how you were made (laughs) wonderfully and beautifully made you can't help that but you have to people have to try to make sense of things in order to move forward with life and function every day yeah and that's that's something key you said tanya you said um uh people i forgot what you just said but something like uh people are just trying to make it they're trying to you know strive and Mm -hmm. a lot of times we judge people on their behaviors where the truth of the matter is they're not people don't just behave erratically or you know because that's just how they are you know what where did the fire start you know what i'm saying where where is the issue um and when you're dealing with sexual abuse that is that is an entire beast it Mm -hmm. it could you know that trauma could manifest in so many ways it could be i mean you just don't know and you as a survivor can't choose how that trauma is going to cause things to happen in your life. I can't say because I was sexually abused. Okay, well, I choose to be promiscuous or I choose to have financial issues or I choose, um, you know, whatever the the case is. I choose to to drink alcohol or or do drugs. You just don't know how that's going to manifest. And I think if we each just kind of look at each other as human beings and not just always judging people and realize that there is an issue and a lot of times there is a traumatic issue that happened to someone and it's the reason why they are acting out or behaving the way that they do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And how do we address that? But it's just, you know, fortunately, you know, like with us in the black community, like you said, oh, they crazy. Just stay away from them, but they crazy. Mm-hmm. Or it could be that one person in the family 
that is always at the uh, events that's just maybe upset, speaking out, crying, acting up, but they're telling the truth. They're trying to tell they you. They want to come out. Right. Yeah. Yes. They, right. they want it to come out. But you, yes. you see them as the black sheep. They're not trying to be the black sheep. They're trying to tell the truth and say, mm-hmm. this is what's going on, but no one is listening to them because of their behavior. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really interesting. The One of the hardest things as a therapist, as a professional, was we had an intern when I worked at the YWCA and her project was um, sexual assault and the prison population and I believe it was through her study I believe 85% of the of women had been sexually had a history of sexual trauma that were incarcerated so we went to the workhouse to do some community education and after that if they wanted uh, after the couple of weeks we went and did the community education if they wanted to participate in a group they could and when we went to do the community education, because the community educator went and me and another therapist went so they could just see our faces if they wanted to participate later. And I saw somebody that I graduated with and I was like, oh, okay. Ooh. And I got really upset and I was like, that could be me. Mm. Literally sitting right there with drug issues sitting in jail and this was a popular person at school and I was like oh my god okay and I it took so much for me to just sit there and she kept trying not to look at me and I was like I'm not gonna look at you I'm not gonna look at you because you know you like to keep that was it I can't say the word not confidentiality starts with a anonymity so yeah (laughs) but I was like huh okay and I was upset for probably a week. Like how, wow, how life changes. And I think she had been abused for several years. Mm-hmm. And so she did open up, she talked, but she would, She had a, she struggled with substance abuse off and on throughout her entire life. And like I said, yes. she was the popular girl at school. Remember, I was the mean girl. People would always ask my friend, what's wrong with Tanya? What's wrong with her? So from a, and I ended up on the side as the professional and she was the one incarcerated. So you just never know how, how, how it will affect out. somebody. Yeah. yeah. And I right. And two, um, even with ch- our children, like it's so important for us to um, love our children as, cause you said, Shivani, you asked, how do we, um, or I don't know who asked, but how do we um, even, like have these conversations with our kids. But when, when they're small, if we build that relationship with them and love them yeah. and, and create an environment where they're not scared to come talk to us, mm-hmm. that is so yeah. important because yes, you have to discipline, but don't discipline on the side of where now they're scared to say anything to you. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You gotta, right. we gotta nurture our kids, love them, hug them, kiss them. You know, they need that because that is how you build trust and then they begin to yeah. know that I can trust you and I can tell you things, you know, because a lot of times kids will not, as you know, we all, here we are, you know, it took us a minute. You, yes. They just mm-hmm. will not say anything. And then no. if they don't mm-hmm. feel that they can trust you, they're definitely not going to say anything. If they can't come to you and know that you're, they're, you're not going to yell at them for whatever, just constantly yelling at them for different things, they're never going to come to you 
and tell you what happened. But we as a community, you know, it takes a village to raise these children. So, yeah. it, you know, if I'm a friend of someone that has a child, you know, you can come to me. You know, if you feel like you can't come to your parent, right. you can come tell me. But, you know, but if we could just have safe people in these kids' lives that they can actually go to and talk to, you know, I think that will actually bring out a lot more of, of what's going on. And, and another thing, and I'm sorry, I keep talking a little more thing. Are you trying to <laughs> um, got a platform, go ahead. Um, you have to address it, I'm yeah. all for it, go ahead. And, and like, even when the Me Too movement came up and, you know, everyone was like, I can't believe all of this. So in order for things to heal, there has to be exposure. So yeah. we're going to have to realize that it's going to be a, a ton of more stories that come out. But the more they come out, I see it as a positive because guess what? Mm -hmm. It's starting to be exposed. So mm. now we and can deal normal. with those issues. Yes, yes. So now exposure And then it's is going to stop. Yes. People see yeah. that, oh, wait, we don't supposed to be doing this. This is right. not right. They're talking. They're speaking up. They're educating their children. Let me lay my hands off. Right. exactly mm -hmm. exactly exactly mm -hmm. yeah and i and do then, want to just mm -hmm. let parents know since you were talking about how kids behave and you know they'll discipline their kids a lot of times in younger children you'll see they'll start to have regressive behaviors like they'll start to wet the bed they'll suck their thumb they don't mm -hmm. want to sleep by themselves and you're like if you don't go to bed what's wrong with you or why you keep peeing in the bed stuff like that that might be an issue but whether it's sexual abuse or not it's not normal right. if they haven't wet the bed for five years and now all of a sudden, now they're all of a sudden the they wet in the bed yeah mm -hmm. or, or they're starting to have problems with school yeah there's a reason whatever yeah. the reason might be right. it could just possibly be because they see you fighting with your boyfriend all the time or, or like, they feel like they need something like who knows what yeah, yeah, but it's something the, that I, you need to address you know, you know, aware of what your children years. are saying to you in non-verbal <laughs> ways that's what people need to do we really yeah. and then and really, we have to come to the time to know that children have emotions children have yes. like they have experiences they have things too if you yeah. process it as an adult how do you think the child They're, is able oh to process God. it? Mm -hmm. Like we and are then, so, um, we so hard then, on these kids. Like and yeah. being someone, I right? And being, I'm sorry. And being ahead. someone who worked in the school district, I worked in school district with elementary school kids, and I also ran an after school program, and I ran a summer camp. We underestimate our kids mm, because these yes. kids are way smart smarter than we give them credit for they know yes. more because they have more access to information than we think mm -hmm. monitor your children's computer time monitor their yeah. social media because you'll be amazed the access that pedophiles have to your kids through social media yep. through these messengers and all that kind of stuff and you they pretending to be other kids Mm -hmm. monitor your children what they're doing because these kids are smarter you will be amazed how many kids have run up to me and say miss tanya such and such and such and i have to tell them okay that's too much information you right. know they know their dad's in jail or mom's in jail and mom and dad get into a fight but i have to go over auntie's house they know this and you think you hiding from these kids no, because right. guess what? They run back and tell the teachers and they run back and tell people that they trust. 
Mm. And the kids are very aware. So don't be afraid to have these conversations because your kids are smarter and more attentive, more aware than you're giving them credit for. As early as five years old, Mm. earlier, if you can start simplifying and start giving them what they need to do, bad touch, these kids are smarter. Two-year-olds know how to uh, look on they phones because some of them messing with your phone and they got into your I have a nine month old grandbaby and she know what FaceTime is because when you FaceTime her she looking at her phone yeah. she see, see. Yeah. I'm yeah. serious if I'm and on they, a Zoom call she know exactly yes doing. yes so, right. so, so that's too when you're talking about uh, um, putting uh, monitoring your children what they're doing monitor what you do in front of your kids right. okay like for real for right real. Yeah, I'm some real, like y'all kids see you now. You know, it's one thing to touch and kiss or something, but if y'all kids seeing you doing some sexual activities like these videos, we have women, yeah. you know, drag grading in front of the cameras and kids are walking past. Like if you if you, they see you doing that, then you're normalizing things to them. So yeah. they take that behavior going right. outside of the home into the schools and coming amongst other children doing those behaviors. So yeah, and when you. And when you say something to them, they say, well, my mama do it. And they'll tell you, I've had them. Well, I, you can't twerk in uh, doing science class. Well, my mama do it at home. Oh, okay. Don't do it here. <laughs> right. Yeah. And also too, so even with sexual abuse, we want to talk about exactly what it is because it's not just touching. It's not just the um, actual act of sex, uh, oral. It could be talking um, extensively to a child about sex. It could be taking photographs of children um, nude or, or having a sexual positions. Um, it could be showing a child pornography. That is sexual abuse, uh, showing a child pornography. Because, you know, like you said, Savannah, boys be like, oh, I lost my virginity at eight, or my uncle was uh, watching uh, porn when I was five and I was watching it. That is sexual abuse. Um, and with teenagers, if they take photos of themselves naked, and pass it along to their peers and their peers share it, that is considered, um, um, oh my gosh, come on, tell you. Uh, and what word I'm thinking of? Uh, distribution of like child pornography. That's what I'm trying oh, to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so like, you know, they're young and they, and they think it's funny and they pass it along, you know, the pictures of the girls, mm. they might have their, but if they're under age, that's considered child pornography, you know? And if they pass it, they could be um, get in trouble for distribution or, um, you know, possession of it, you know, so those things people need to be educated about. Uh, child sexual abuse is not a joke. No, like it is right. so serious and people don't realize it because mm -hmm. we have been normalized, you know, and desensitized to just uh, sexual behavior, period. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when it comes to children, they don't play with that. They do not play with that, you know? And that's that, yeah, we, man. Um, I was gonna say too, um, and it's now the tra the sex trafficking. What has how real right. that is, and yeah. how we're becoming more aware of that in in our um, space. But yeah, and St. Louis is a huge hub for sex trafficking. Yeah, and yes. the reason why is because we have the highways right there, 70, 44, 40, and people yep. can easily grab them and then hit the highway and they're gone. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Uh, St. Louis is a huge hub for sex trafficking, and people don't realize that, but it's but it's true. Yeah, so yeah. being aware of your surroundings at yeah. all times, uh, people. Um, again, we're not here to scare you, but you definitely right. Yeah, you do right, you do. right. Awareness is key. Awareness yeah. is key. 
And yes. it starts again with having these tough conversations. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ladies, before we end the show, um, I do want to ask this important question. Um, do you think the community needs, no, excuse me. What do the community need to help rally around and support sexual assault um, victims? Um, our survivors what do we need out here resources uh, more support groups like what do you guys think we need um, yeah um, more available resources more marketing of those resources because there actually is a lot of resources out but we don't know about them mm-hmm. so right. we need to spread the awareness of where they can go to to get the help that they need so marketing is key marketing is key and just a lot of times the best advertisement is word of mouth. So if we talk and we tell one person and we tell, you know what I'm saying? It's about conversation, just getting the word out because that's the biggest advertising. It's just being open, honest, market what's available and provide the necessary resources in the available areas, in the areas that need it because a lot of resources are not available in urban communities. Yes. We need to be able to make resources available in the community and where they don't have to go all the way out to Clayton or all the way out to Brentwood. It should be something in the area that they live in that they have mm-hmm. quick access to, right. to so they can start getting the help that they need. Yes, I do agree. I agree. Um, yeah, and also too is we have to begin not to be scared to talk about it. That's mm-hmm. another thing. You know, we have to not be ashamed of the subject or shy away from it because you know, it's happening and that's just reality. And we cannot shy away from actually having these conversations about sexual abuse. I know there's a, a training um, from this company called Darkness to Light where they do like uh, prevention and awareness training. But like, even if we take it to the barbershops, because if you think of the places in our communities that where we tend to gather, barbershops, churches, church, mm-hmm. let's not be afraid to talk about sexual abuse because guess what? It's happening. It's happening in your congregation. Yes. Um, you know, schools, uh, mm-hmm. Let's, you know, not be afraid to say, uh, you know, these, this is what happens. These are the signs, you know, just having that, um, the conversation and just constantly being educated. Even we have to educate ourselves, you know, there's tons of stuff on the internet, but just always be aware um, and just not be afraid of the conversation because um, when you hear it, you know, some people tend to shy away. Well, let's not shy mm-hmm. away anymore from sexual abuse. Let's, let's throw out the what goes on in the house uh, stays in the house. Let's throw that out. Yes. Let's throw out the, um, Shavanna, what did you say? Um, uh, what don't kill me makes me Yeah. Shy. Yeah, let's yeah. throw out let's, the let's mentality. Yeah. Dead that. Dead the yeah. mentality. So we yes. don't need that in 2021 no more. No. Yeah, we, we done with that. <laughs> and let's normalize therapy. And from that out, I'm yes. trying to the therapist. So yeah, let's normalize yes. uh, getting uh, mental um, help. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I would definitely say awareness because like Latanya said, there are a lot of resources available from like Didi, she would do groups. She would have a walk every year. You know, you have to support the programs that are in your community so so they can continue to grow. Um, You know, she's got the magazine, the Voces magazine, you know, podcasts like this, you know, participate you know join in the conversation you know it's okay and if you are uncomfortable you don't know what to say that's fine you don't have to necessarily even talk about your experience Mm -hmm. just join just listen 
listen share the information from us just hearing other people talk about it it's like oh okay mm -hmm. i'm not alone which is part of the reason why i i do what i do you mm -hmm. know i mean i'm just a therapist because i've always been that type of person i'm a helper by nature but also just knowing that I'm not the only one out there. I know that made me feel not so alone, mm -hmm. whether other people talk about it or not. I know I'm not by myself and just hearing other people or rather me talking about it may make somebody else feel uh, empowered to just say, maybe it won't be five years or 10 years down the line, but they know that, you know what? Okay, I know I'm not the only one because I remember that one time she said it. Right, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. yeah, you know. So. Well, ladies, thank you guys for being here and having this great conversation. It was well needed. Um, mm -hmm. I appreciate you all. I respect you all. Um, you guys whew, have definitely <laughs> been a light on my day today. Um, I was nervous about this episode, but. <laughs> but you did it girl you, you made it, it. <laughs> right. yes we surviving yeah. surviving and thriving you hear me that's right that's yes, right yes. surviving yeah. and thriving and that's what yeah. i want for the black community yeah. i want to see us thriving so let's yeah. keep addressing these issues let's do some work let's figure out the solutions and put them to work and let's let's build up our next generation y'all Yes, and babies mm. in the futures, and we gotta save and protect them, right, y'all? That's right. Yes, we do. That's right. Yes, yeah. we do. Yes. Yeah. Well, well we appreciate you, you, Savannah, for this. Right. Thank this you so much. much. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. much. Thank you, guys. No, like honestly, everyone that wants to come on the platform makes it easier for me because, I, like, I just I do. I really want to ha keep having these tough conversations because I want to, like you said, normalize these conversations and then let's learn from them and do better. Let's right. apply and do better. Um, because yeah, um, yeah. But thank you all. Uh, and thank you, everybody that's tuning in. I know it's Easter weekend. I know people want to get out here and enjoy this nice weather. Um, mm -hmm. So again, I appreciate you all tuning in. Our next live show is uh, April 24th. Um, we will be talking about, um, oh, what is it? Fighting Racism Authentically. Uh, my experience as an ally. So that will be an all-white panel. Oh, we'll be mm -hmm. on here talking wow. about anti-racism work and their experiences being allies so tune in for that and we do have another show dropping that will be recorded um next weekend uh it's talking financial literacy all things financial literacy so we'll be educating you on things like budgeting um investing and talking about conversations like that and how that could be beneficial for our community so keep tuning in to the hood talks podcast we're gonna keep bringing y'all these conversations um again i appreciate you all i will let you all know who the winner of the t-shirt is later on today um but get out here enjoy the weather and we will see you all next time Bye. bye. all right bye bye thank you